0: Welcome to a football show, Thursday edition, and man, do we have things to discuss today. Zach Lyons, Braden Gall, brought to you by Sinkers Beverages and the Kingston Group, our two great and amazing sponsors. We'll tell you more about them coming up in just a second. Zach, how are you? Anything happen this week, big guy? I nothing much. Just a regular old week. Just a normal, Just a normal Thursday in the middle of the NFL season where the most important player of a generation has been traded. And a new starting quarterback could take over control of the organization permanently if he plays well. So how to evaluate Will Levis? How to watch him? What are we looking for? What should fans be looking for? What are expectations? That's going to be a large chunk of the conversation. We'll look ahead to the Falcons matchup in particular, uh, actual wins and losses. What is the big picture strategy now for this organization moving forward for the rest of the season? Uh, As, of course, they traded what is largely the face of the franchise for the last 10, let's say 10, I'm going to say 10 years. I know he hasn't played that long, but this, this decade will be defined by you Kevin. Call Byard. Him the
1: face of the franchise.
0: So we'll, we can discuss that in in just a second. Cause I think that's a really, we don't have to discuss it. It's just a yes question. Or no
1: question. Well, I, I think there's going <laughs> to be like, I, isn't it? Derrick Henry. Two. And then there was Marcus and Derek Henry. Isn't that the trade-off? I guess. I think there is. I think
0: there's two faces of the franchise during this era of Titans football. And that is Kevin Byard and Derek Henry. Those would be the two that I would put up there. Um, and I, and I think for, for a lot of reasons for Kevin Byard and, and I know you and Mike covered a lot of the conversation around Kevin Byard, the signal that it sends to the fans, the signal that it sends to the organization, uh, the cap space, the, the, the strategy moving forward. There's a lot to get to. We we discussed Kevin Byard's trade on Monday's show. It happened literally right after the show was over. Literally. Um, <laughs> literally. So that was unfortunate, but most of that we, we spent actually more time on trailing Burks and, some younger players and and some other stuff. So um, we, we shall we shall see uh, about what that means. So, again, Sinkers Beverages, Kingston Group, want to give you guys some time to filter into the comments section there. So if you want to be with us live and you want to hang out with us live and interact and ask questions and argue and debate and go back and forth, we love that. Um, QC Hawk already in there talking about D-Hop delaying his card shop signing. There's some conspiracies floating all over the internet right now, which is
1: great. Well, it's, I mean, it's not a conspiracy theory. It's straight from the card shop who talks straight to D hop. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I just mean, it He's, may, it may, it may mean
0: nothing. It may mean something. Who, who knows? It may, but, yeah, it
1: may, it may not. Yeah. But I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's a, it's a D hops wait until to sign anything until he actually gets sees if he gets traded or not. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. It's just, that's interesting, but that's all it is.
0: It could be normal. It could yeah, mean a whole lot of something. Normal it could mean a whole lot of nothing. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, but jump into the comment section, uh, subscribe over on the Four Forty sports YouTube page. If you listen to this on the podcast, we do appreciate all you guys. So, uh, again, rate review and subscribe there. It does help people find the show. So please give us some five-star reviews. If you do not give us a five-star review, you are a hater. So thank you guys all for listening and hanging out. And thanks to sinkers beverages for supporting us. Uh, East Nashville, one of the best liquor stores in the town. It was the best liquor store in the city in 2022. Just constantly pulling down awards. Uh, so we do appreciate Sinker's support. Go over there and check out their barrel, Russell's Barrel Pick, which Zach and I and a few listeners had a, had a chance to go help pick out. It is a delicious bottle of whiskey, so go get some of that for you. Uh, again, Russell's 10-year reserve barrel pick only at Sinker's Beverages. Sign. You can also search Uber Eats and, and have the booze delivered directly to your house. Uh, they there drive you so you can drink there you go. Kingston group build is the website locally owned and operated nose to tail operation, full scale design team in house. They are, they, they just go look at their Instagram account. It is spectacular. The work that they do. Um, we've done shows from inside their houses that they're selling and building. They do spectacular work. So go check that out. If you have questions, please jump in because there's a lot to discuss today on the show and it's more than just a matchup with what could be a very pesky Falcons team coached by a former offensive coordinator. Uh, so there's a lot going on this week on the show. Quickly, and you've already alluded to the Bayard stuff, and if you want a longer conversation about sort of what does this signal, what does this mean, um, you can go listen to Football and Other F-Words, of course, with you and Mike Curden, had a great conversation about this. But I just wanted to ask you, like I've got my own thoughts on this, but just um, what do you remember? What are you, you going to remember about the Kevin Bayard
1: time? In Nashville, how would you define like what's the legacy? Well, it's, the, I think he's the most important player of that time frame of when the Titans became good, how they stayed good, how they stayed consistent and competitive, uh, how reliable he was. I will always remember the Dallas Cowboys game. I think that's probably going to be the most, for me, that's the most memorable of all of his uh turnovers, interceptions, wherever you want to call it. I think that's the most memorable moment, the iconic moment, the picture, and everything. So, yeah, uh, that's what I'll remember. I mean, I'll just remember a guy that was a, a professional, you know, the whole time he was here. You could depend that he was going to be on the field all the time. And that that says something for not only his position, but just for playing in the NFL, how reliable, and durable he actually was.
0: Yeah, I, I think he's. Uh, ushered in a new generation of Titans football. I think you're right to say that he's the most important player of this era. I, I think again, we could debate the, the the face of the franchise because that's not always necessarily the most important player. Derek Henry, Taylor Lewan, there's a number of other guys that drill Casey, you know, but I, I think from an important standpoint, value to the community value to the team. And I'll just say this as someone who's talked to him a bunch, like constantly taking time out of his day to give thoughtful answers to sometimes difficult questions, rarely, uh, treated anyone with disrespect. Uh, I've seen plenty of athletes and coaches treat, treat press with disrespect. He, he took time out of his day to do the opposite to people. And I think when you do that, you get treated as such. And, and I think that's, you know, the the charity work and the leadership and the off the field stuff. Like it just, I think it goes without saying that, Uh, He is among the most important players of this generation for this team. That doesn't mean, and we've done this too much on the show to really rehash it, to explain why this took place. I I don't really think we need to explain why this took place. The Titans need to get younger, cheaper, faster. (laughs) As Mike Vrabel says, he is a, a very expensive piece that is a diminishing asset that is that they got value for restocking some draft picks. It doesn't even necessarily mean they're going to lose more games. They might win more games. Who knows?
1: So I don't even know if we have to discuss why this happened. I think we've done that a lot on the show. Well, I think everybody's done it. Everybody's written about it. Stackintheinbox.com. I wrote over like 2000 words on pretty much every angle you could discuss on the Kevin Bayer trade. We talked about it in football and other efforts, like you said, but you know, it just is what it is. And you're, you he may look good over there, but that doesn't really matter because of his surroundings compared to his surroundings here. It's gonna be more of him getting carried or him benefiting from that than it is for him trying to carry over here. And I mean, it's just plain as day. I mean, you you people who cling that he's still a playing at a top five, top ten safety level have not been watching the same games anybody else has. Yeah, maybe and they're watching
0: like- reruns. And I, and I know Mike said this on, on F words, but I think it does bear repeating, which is, you know, sometimes those of us in the media can, I, I I'll just speak for myself. Sometimes I for not forget, but like take for granted the sort of, um, I don't know what the right word is. The, 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 emotional ties and, 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 and sort of relationship you build with someone that is your favorite that you love that plays for your team. And I, I, a, a lot of times I take that for granted because I just don't have that anymore. Not with any of my favorite teams, not doing this job for twenty years. But if you told me personally, as a non-Titans fan, I'm going to go buy one of these retro uh, Oilers uniforms because they're so badass. Like I, I'm not sure I go past thirty-one. I, I think I think that's if you're asking me as a non-fan, who am I going to go buy? Which which jersey would I wear? Which jersey would I spend money on? Like I think I would still go buy a Kevin Byer jersey. Like I, I don't think there's another. I mean Steve McNair, but like that's a different generation. So I
1: it'd be Henry. I think I it'd mean, be number one would be Henry. I, I, right, the, I, I, and for yeah. me,
0: Derrick Henry to me is an elite player, and he's a fan favorite. But like, but personally, like I, it's Kevin Byard. Kevin Byard be the, would be the jersey I would go by if I was going to ever do that because I just because of the person that he is and what he meant to the team, to the organization, to the city, etc. Yeah, also number two, Ryan Stonehouse. Also that would, that would be a close a close number two. Um, so I don't think we need to rehash it. I think there is a question about finally turning the page to some degree, maybe admitting where they are. And Mike Vrabel has been, we've talked a lot about his body language and his, is sort of, he can get prickly at times during press conferences when they're good, much less when they're bad. And I guess I'm, I, do you think that this is simply them taking advantage to make their team better long-term? Cause it was a, had to be done kind of move like we've talked about. Or do you think there is a larger turning of the cruise ship in the night kind of thing happening?
1: Well, can it be both? I mean, those, uh, those things don't sound like they're that mutually exclusive. If you're trying to get younger, better for the future, then you are trying to also say at the same time, you're turning the page on older players and changing direction in the cruise ship. I mean, to me, those things coincide with each other. Um, I I think that we have complained about it all off season, all year, that they're just every move seems like they're kind of straddling the fence, whether they want to blow up or glow up, blow up or glow up. And I and then the the whole will will Levis is starting. And then, he, you know, Mike Rabel's clearly pissed and said, I never said that. <laughs> and then your our conversation on October 16th. Then yesterday, Jason Fitz goes on radio and says what he's hearing from his circles. And then you have Charles Robinson this morning on the radio saying the same kind of thing. I, yeah, and we, were now first. To me, we were
0: first on that one.
1: Yeah, we were. and And now it's becoming this thing where it's becoming very clear that the reason why there was such fence straddling in their moves and why all these moves kind of like make you think. Are they glowing it up or are they blowing it up? Is because one side wants the, the glow up and overrated the roster and wants to compete, which is a coach's job, is what they're supposed to do, right? They want to win every game. And then the other side wanted the blow up and knows that everything is kind of like it's very stale in Tennessee. Um, you know, I'm not saying anybody has to pick a side or anything, but what I'm Basically, alluding to is what we kind of talked about um multiple times. You I'm know, sure. <laughs> multiple times is that they need couples counseling. And the problem is, is that Amy has created this mess, right? And you can't take power away from Vrabel because that's going to likely make things worse. So they have to learn to work under the power structure that it is. And if you were choo- choosing sides, I think that kind of where you have to view it as a child of divorce. You have to decide which parent you're going to live with, right? The single dad who has been an elite dad (laughs) but can't also perform the duties of a mom or a mom that could do the stuff of a mom but finds you a new dad. So that's kind of where we're at in this whole thing. But it's very clear what's going on. I I think the cat's out of the bag. What you alluded to and we talked about on October 16th, is now just out of the bag that cat is running wild scratching kids you know eating birds bringing dead rats to your doorstep that cat is out of that fucking bag
0: yeah i got a lot of stuff to get to here so first of all qc qc hawk says i want a jersey that just says number 15 that just says good blocker on the back that's awesome by the way i appreciate that Stony. whoa i missed the charles robinson stuff no you didn't because you've listened to this show and we've been telling yeah. you for the better part of i don't know almost the entire season that I have questions about how the two sides of the organization are working, the football coaching staff and the NFL GM administration staff. How how, how much collaboration is actually happening? I think I asked it that Char- way. Charles
1: Robinson did add a layer of it of where this is kind of what you see when you bring in a new GM with an old head coach or vice yes. versa. This is, this is a mess that they created. So that's kind of what Charles Robinson was talking about. He which didn't really pretty... go in depth like you, uh, you did. And he, and even to a lesser extent, Jason did. Cause I think he's trying to play it coy in his words. I'm so. not, I'm not yelling at you, Stony. I, I was merely pointing out
0: that had you been listening to this show, which I assume you do Stoney, that you, this, none of this is really new information. If you listen to us and if you yeah, listen but to he, this, show, it just wants to listen to what Charles Robinson said. Of, Why of, course, not have of course. more course. Of course, of course, absolutely. Always get more, more information and in good contact, uh, good, con- good, ton- good context, um, and it's not all that uh, unpredictable. To, to To have two very strong personalities in the two most important roles in your organization have to learn how to work together is a very normal human thing that needs to happen. But we were, we, the public, were told why this was happening was how good of a collaborator everybody was and what that's we are learning case. is that that's not the case and that's okay it doesn't mean they're not going to figure it out i we just had hints on this show a long time ago that this was the problem and we've told you as much now the divorce thing is funny because a lot of times what happens is not to to broad brush all divorces here but like a lot of times what happens is like the mom who maybe not isn't the reason the divorce happens is the one who's around so you yell at her yeah and because dad's just fucking gone (laughs) he's off trying to find a new mom that like even though some of it's mostly his fault and he's the one doing it like he doesn't get blamed for it because he's not around to yell at so like I'm curious which person if this if this goes a bad direction and we they still can't decide I I think the Kevin Byer trade is more and this is just what I'm this is my personal opinion here I think the Kevin Byer trade is more than just taking an opportunity to move one player and, and get some value back and, and add some draft capital.
1: I think well, the they're... Kevin buyer trade has just has so many layers to it. I don't think it's really associated with, in my opinion, from the outside looking in, I don't think it's associated with a, with a Vrabel versus Rand Carthon power struggle. I think the Will Levis move is the leak of that, that he is basically trying to do, I think he's just trying to get build that relationship with Ian Rappaport a little bit further and give him some information, but it could also be from behind the scenes. Like, dude, we are moving towards Will Levis. We, we just got to just come face facts. So, like it could be him trying to regain a little bit power back into his court.
0: Uh, so, I- Pretty boy, it is. It is a, a known fact that Ian Rappaport sources ran Carthon. Like that's just a known. Yeah. That's a known fact. Sort of like we know that Diana Rossini's source sources Mike Vrabel. Like we just, we just know what these things are. Uh, I actually, here's what I would say. I disagree slightly in that I think it is big. It is indicative of bigger things happening behind the scenes, and that there is more of an acknowledgement for the first time. And I think a lot of it might be Vrabel having to let it all land on him and accept the reality of the situation, which is that it is time to do more to move the ship in a different direction. And I think if there was an internal battle uh, to your point about glow up versus blow up, we kind of know where each guy stands on the side of, of the direction. And to me, I, we, we shall see if Ryan Tannehill's back out there in two weeks after one start for, for, for this, then, then we will know who have won that, that, that struggle, which is Mike Grable in, in theory. But I think this, there is, there is more to this than just, Hey, we have a, an aging asset that's diminishing and kind of hurting us. We can get something in return. Let's take advantage and just do it real quick before the deadline. It could actually help well, the team.
1: You yeah. Know? My, my thing has always been with this trade deadline talk is like, if the player, if the player's not in your plans for 2024, trade them in 2023. I think that's the simplest way to look at it. If if they're not going to be here next year, you know that's you know DeAndre Hopkins kind of straddles that line, you know in that situation. But um, when you when you go down and the list, you know, Derek Henry's on the last year of his contract. Ryan Tannehill's on the last year of contract. Danico Autry, Christian Fulton, all these guys are in the last year of their contract. If you're not going to re-sign them, get something for them. I mean, that's just what you should do. You that's good business. Yeah. yeah. Regardless of of glow up or blow up it's better to get something for them now in the state of the franchise that you're in than it is to try and do something that doesn't really matter. Like, that,
0: that, and that's why I was asking, do you think it's, which one do you think it is? And you kind of like, well, well, they are similar and they are very similar, but I think yeah. you could, you could separate trading a diminishing asset for a quick return because it's the right thing to do for your team, both short-term and long-term is different than Behind the scenes, we may be having an entirely new strategy of where the franchise needs to go. And I and I think they can be related. And I actually personally believe that they are related. I think there there is an acceptance that is going on behind the scenes. And I guess this is what well, I Well, at think. least
1: an acceptance by a guy that's
0: making the moves. This is what I think. <laughs> that's this is well, that's what, just I what I'm think.
1: Like I don't know if 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 my if Mike this Vrabel I, just looks really tight. Can I just say something? Mike Vrabel looks so fucking exhausted. Yep. And maybe he, he took on more power than he can chew. If he could be the bigger man, um, he just needs to go ahead and just say, hey, listen, you handle this roster. You get us to where we need to go next year. Maybe there is some level of acceptance on Mike Vrabel, and this thing can be salvaged. But... He's going to have to be willing to admit that he's made a mistake, which is something that Mike Vrabel not known to do, at least publicly, and um, give up the power. So Ed says. So the real
0: question is, who has
1: final say? It That's is my.
0: It is my opinion that it's always been Mike Vrabel. It yeah. is my opinion that it'll still continue to be Mike Vrabel, but that that is an on. It is my opinion that that is an ongoing conversation yes. that they are working through that and that at the end of the day, is, is there some come to a realization that this, this thing, this ship, this organization, this, this franchise needs something more. And is that tied directly to Will Levis? Is that tied to Kevin Bayard? Is that tied to what they yeah. do in the off season? I think it's part of a larger th- issue that's taking place. That and, could and, be a good, and, could be a good thing for the franchise, frankly.
1: Yeah, and Trey is saying seniority rules. No, it's just what they did. I mean, they yes. literally decide because there's new GMs that come in with old head coaches that have the power, right? So that, that the GMs have the power. It's, it has nothing to do with seniority. It has to do with how Amy Adams Strunk handled the John Robinson firing and laid out the power structure before Rand yeah. Carthon was even hired. Like so, we, we've known, known this. And let me say this real quick. This is very reminiscent of Bill O'Brien's time ending with the Texans. Bill O'Brien had them in AFC, uh, in the playoffs all the time, winning the AFC South, blah, 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 with the Texans. And then he got more and more power, and that team got worse and worse. And right now, just saying that I have more faith in Mike Vrabel than Bill O'Brien to right the ship, I am just saying that is a matter of fact. If you look at it in black and white, there is a lot of similarities there.
0: Man, okay, so I agree, and there's a lot of questions here that I wanna <laughs> that I wanna try okay. to I wanna try to answer to the best of my abilities.
1: Okay, um,
0: good. so I agree with your your point. Your point is that this is what was set up. It was mm-hmm. set up that Mike Vrabel was in charge. Rand Carthon was going to work in collaboration with Mike Vrabel, who has final say. And I think it is. What is a normal human reaction to being hired as a general manager and told you don't you don't have final say a normal human reaction to that would be like, I don't love it, but I'm willing to take the opportunity because it's it's a chance to be a general manager in the NFL. In which case, what then happens when you arrive? You maybe don't work perfectly together. Maybe you don't love the idea of having to give over all the decision making to somebody else. And so maybe that affects the way things happen, in my opinion. I think, perhaps, that could be the case. So, who is Amy's favorite child? It's Mike Vrabel, and I think, I think it is Mike Vrabel.
1: Currently, Uh, Mike Vrabel.
0: Currently. Rand doesn't, here's, Stoney says this, what happens if Rand gets fed up with it? I think that happened a long time ago, I think. Uh, Trey says, Rand doesn't seem like a power struggle guy. I disagree. I disagree with that
1: i think (laughs) i i would disagree with that too and i don't know the information that you are privy to from what you've seen on the field and interactions and from from just having conversations with him but from seeing his interviews from seeing his demeanor from seeing where he has come up from knowing that he has a competitive spirit i mean maybe maybe you could say he doesn't seem like a power struggle guy because he's gonna win and maybe it's just easy for him to win or something but like this guy's gonna want the power. And I think if I'm gonna have to if let me say this putting it in the line in the sand, if you and I can't believe I'm saying this, but if you had to tell me I had to choose between Rand or Vrabel, I'm choosing Rand Carthon.
0: What when did this happen in in the hearts and minds of Zach Lyons? What what, what who uh, it's are been, you? it's
1: been burned for a couple of weeks watching this team do the go through and do the same shit that it's always done and my, the only way for Mike Vrabel not to have power is for Mike Vrabel not to be here because that, that's just – you can't take power away unless he's willing to give it up and he doesn't seem like a guy willing to give it up. And let me say this. Rank Carthon's probably going to bring in a San Francisco-level coach of some sort or a maybe he brings in Eric Biannimi or brings in someone that is just entirely different. Does not mean that they're better or anything. And I know other coaches are going to try go for Mike Vrabel, and but you know I'm just saying, like our other teams will go for Mike Vrabel. I'm just it, saying sometimes it's better to hmm. it's better to cut bait before it becomes a Fisher situation.
0: All right, Ed Henry says if 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 lines of demarcation were not defined from the beginning, then it's a failure from the get go. I think we've established oh, it, it was, Yeah, yeah I think we've established that, that that is not true. Um, here's what, and I and I think it's pretty well established that that is not necessarily the way Rand Carthon wanted to get his first general manager job, and I but would you got to it right,
1: got to yes. take the opportunities when they come to you.
0: I would say they both have behaved as such, two two egos, two powerful guys. Um, I would say I would disagree with you on which one I would choose. I would choose right now Mike Vrabel because. I don't think, I don't think it is my opinion that Rand Carthon was the top choice.
1: Well, I mean, if, that even is if my he opinion, wasn't, that that is my opinion. Even if he wasn't the top choice, are you ever going to get your top choice with the power structure that is set? I, I think that if Mike Vrabel had
0: more input on that particular choice there would have been a willingness to work together more. That is my opinion. At twenty-seven minutes of the That's
1: show, interesting because because we did ask. I mean, it has been it's been asked why or pondered upon why he waited till the final meeting to be brought in on the the set of on um, the set of GM meetings, which makes me wonder. Is here is the thing? If that is the case, did it was the guy that you think that he would have preferred, was he interviewed? (laughs) Yeah, I can't can't say. Because if it's the guy that I'm thinking that is a retread of, or part of the John Robinson group, say, Monty Austin Ford, or who was it? Ryan Calden. Then he would be wanting even more power and more influence. And I think that's a terrible thing. So that is why you don't choose Mike Vrabel. You and choose I the guy I that all of you were watching
0: on YouTube. Yeah.
1: <laughs> if you're watching on YouTube, you would have get, you would have seen the answers uh, to my questions.
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah. And maybe.
1: I think that this is the better choice to choose. That's that's a, a perfect reason, hypothetically, I would choose Rand Carthon because I don't want more internal hires. Well, they let, don't let, work. okay no okay let okay, me okay, but let me ask you this
0: let me let me let me now this is okay. this part is totally hypothetical yeah. yeah tim kelly we both agreed we didn't love the idea of how it happened and did they go out and get more creative well it's turned out that he probably was the right guy and that he was groomed to to be that person and that he was sort of raised up to be that role um I'm not suggesting that Mike Vrabel should have control over that or needs to have control over that or is the right guy. I'm saying that at the end of the day, you are either good at your job as a GM or not. And that's all that really matters here. Either Rand Carthon will be good at this or he will not yeah, be.
1: Yeah, Mike Vrabel's not good at being a GM.
0: Monty Awesome for <laughs> Vrabel's
1: the GM.
0: Any of the other candidates that we, we we talked about during this search, all that I don't care how they got here. I don't care why they were interviewed. I don't care internal or external. All that matters is, are you good at your job? And right now, I'm not sure you can say that either Mike Vrabel or Rand Carthon are doing their job right now. So I, the only other question I have about any of the other candidates, regardless of who it would or would not have been, is are they good at being a GM? Can they do the job? And if they can, Wait, here's I'm the, willing here's, to be, hang on. I'm willing. Hang on. I, if they if here's my point and I'll land the plane. If they can do the job well, Mike Vrabel gives control. That's it, in my opinion.
1: No, no. Let me say this. Mike Vrabel's never given up control. I don't care if it's Buddy or not. because You You might be right. Let me say something. Let me say something. Even if he gives up control... It's fake control that he's given up because ultimately the guy's going to do whatever Mike Vrabel wants to do, regardless of whether it's his opinion or not. That's all and, I'm saying. And because too. money also for would have just been a puppet. Ryan Calden would just been a puppet. Wind him up, put the key in. Why? I don't, him up, I don't know.
0: I don't know. We said uh, the exact same. I know oh, Tim, Tim Kelly is an uncreative inside the box insular hire. Well, it turns out he's the right guy for the job because he can call plays. So that's all I'm saying is that you 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 might be right. It looks like a puppet or it looks like this or it's insular or it's, you can, I, I'm not denying that those are not the way it appears. All that matters to me at the end of the day, and I think all that matters to Mike Grable is are you good at the job? And if, if anybody, if any of these guys, Rand included, if they are good at the job, I think that's the difference. And I don't think, right, there's a trust problem. Like this is the couple's counseling. Vrabel doesn't trust Rand. Rand doesn't trust Vrabel. That's my opinion. That's my opinion. So sorry, Stony, that you're drinking. Andrew's correct. Two and eleven. They've lost. They're two and eleven. They're in the last thirteen. Fire everybody. <laughs> All right. Uh, Seekers Beverages. Thanks for being a part of the show. <laughs> Kingston Group. Thanks for being a part of the show. We do appreciate you guys. All of you guys in the in the comment section. Uh, we love you guys. You guys are the best. Okay. Will Levis. I want to spend some time on the show today. We'll talk Falcons at the end of the show. But really, this is about how should you be watching Will Levis? There's there's going to be a lot of different ways to evaluate him. And we'll get to all of them. I want to know I, whether it's metrics, whether it's stats, whether it's data, whether it's eye tests, whether it's fundamentals, whether it's skill evaluation. I just want to know what you, how are you watching and setting expectations for what you see against a very good Falcons rushing defense, by the way. Uh, that is coming to Nissan Stadium on Sunday.
1: Yeah, th- I mean, that's that's the thing, right, is that they're going to be selling out to stop the run. So what I'm particularly looking at is, can he get the ball out fast enough like he did in Kentucky and less like what he did in the preseason? In Kentucky, he was out of the top four quarterbacks that got drafted, right? Anthony Richardson, Bryce Young, uh, C.J. Stroud. And Will Levis, he he had like a whole half a second on all of them getting the ball out quick, and that's that's good. The problem is, on the flip side, is he holds the ball too long on his sacks. So on his attempts, when he sees it, he throws it. It doesn't matter if it's tight window or not. That guy is throwing that ball quick. But on the sacks, he throws. He holds onto him. You cannot throw. You cannot hold on to the ball. So the same stuff we got mad at Malik Willis for. Is what I'm looking for Will Levis not to do. I want Will Levis to use his legs, his athleticism, be smart when he does that, make a decisive decision on when he should bail out of a play. And I want him to make quick decisions and make NFL throws. I want him to lead the receiver, I want him dropping the bucket. I want to see that more often than not. It does not have to be you know, 35 attempts and he makes 34 of <laughs> 34 completions and three touchdowns at 350 yards. If he comes in and he's like, I don't know, one of one of those weird games where it's like, he's like 18 for 21, 145 yards, but he has a Russian touchdown and, and another touchdown through the air. It's not sexy. That's why you shouldn't look at box score stats, but is he hurting the team? Is the team being held back by his talent? he, he practiced with the ones all last week during the bye week. He's practicing with the ones this week for all that we have heard about all this other ridiculous shit that doesn't even matter. He's practicing. He is the unquestioned starter, in my opinion, for the Falcons game. So he what have they done during the bye week? What have they implemented into the playbook to help a young quarterback who has the a tendency to turn the ball over? Where it's via interceptions, where it's fumbles. I do not care about anything other than getting the ball out and making looking like an NFL quarterback. Like I don't have to see 300 yards. That'd be great. I just need to see someone that can do something that will that Malik Willis could.
0: Yeah. Uh, so I have them like in three buckets, and they sort of like. You have to fill the first bucket to get to the second bucket and the second bucket to get to the third bucket. The third bucket is like 7.9 yards per attempt, 68% completion percentage, win the game, more touchdowns than interceptions, you know, quarterback rating over 90, whatever. Like Those metrics of efficiency, that's the last thing that I'm going to look at. And if it gets to that point in week one, Tennessee Titans have a great situation on their hands. So I'm not even like looking at the third bucket. The first bucket for me is what I'm going to call like, do your job which is, and I think he's actually going to make, here's my, here's a weird prediction. I think he's going to make a mistake early with a snap. And I think that it's going to, like, Twitter's going to go crazy. People in the stands are going to lose their mind. They're going to start calling for Malik Willis, but I think he's going to get over it quickly. And so that ain't going to
1: help anything.
0: No, (laughs) (laughs) but I I think like
1: for the people call call for Malik Willis. I mean, that guy fumbles all the time. Well,
0: right. Well, exactly. I just think that it's going to, there's going to be a cringe moment with a snap. That's my weird prediction on this early in the game. It is gonna He, the bright lights, the NFL, the stage, the spotlight, it is, it is, it is okay for a mistake early in a first quarter of a first player's game as a starting quarterback in the NFL. But after that, after that, and the nerves calm down, I want to see him do his job, which to me is all the intangible game management stuff. And the first bucket to me is like, Let's make sure the teams at the line of scrimmage with some time to digest the defense. Let's make sure the teams getting in out of the huddle at the right times. Let's make sure we're managing down and distance, managing the shot clock. Because frankly, Malik Willis couldn't even fucking do that sometimes. So, like, there's a base level of game management, running an offense like a professional that I think he's going to be pretty. Has
1: experience doing,
0: which I think he's going to be pretty good at. And so I do think there's going to be a mistake in that territory early and I think fans just need yeah. to wait for it, accept it and then be, and then be prepared to watch the rest of it. Once you fill up that bucket and I'm like all right, it looks like you know how to handle the situation, you're not flustered by the moment, you understand how to get the team in and out of the huddle, get to the line, manage the checks, get get your cover or get your protection right, get receivers in motion, get the whole get, get it all going. That's the first bucket. The second bucket is what you said, which is get the ball out of your hands. I want to see Tim Kelly's offense. I want to see him on the move. I want to see quick passes. I want to see short passes. I want to see screens. I want to see play action. I I, I don't want to see a lot of seven-step dropbacks out of Will Levis. I, I want to make the reads easy. One, two, three, bang. One, two, three, bang. One, two, three, bang. And get the football out of your hands. I don't actually care until you get to that third bucket about the actual accuracy, the actual efficiency numbers, the actual you know, yards per attempt or any of that other stuff. Like, that to me comes after showing that you can make the right decision. We'll worry about where the football goes after that. But if you're making the right decision, you are already leaps and bounds ahead of Malik Willis. Because Malik Willis couldn't do the first one. He couldn't really do the management of the game and control every and be the maestro, right? Be the conductor. He couldn't do that. And then he couldn't get, he couldn't operate within the confine of the offense. Right? He couldn't right. do the, Here's the read, first, second, third read, throw, first, second, third throw. He couldn't do it. The final and the last thing I'll throw in there, which I actually think he could do, and I don't know if they'll get into a situation where we see it, and that is outside the confines of the offense in what is largely a two-minute type of situation. What does he look like when he just has to be a football player? Like, you can go into a situation, you can game plan for your reads and your progressions and your looks, and you can, and sometimes that shit doesn't work. What do you do when it doesn't work? How do you handle that situation? I don't think Tannehill, for example, operates very well outside of the confines of the offense. I Jordan Love, I've said this before on the show. My issue with Jordan Love, the dude breaks down as soon as the play breaks down. And it's only been seven games, so it's early. But my complaint to my dad, who's like, Oh, I think you look pretty good. I'm like, the second the offense doesn't give him an open receiver he doesn't know what to do and that's that's the final bucket where i want to see will levis do some stuff outside of the confines of the offense i know that
1: was a lot but i look at it as a progression like well that's the stuff to look at i don't really care about your 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 first bu- some of the items in your first bucket like i really don't care about passer rating qbr interceptions as long as they're not like backbreaking game ending interceptions. And there's like five of them or something, but like
0: to <laughs> five, me, five, it's like five would be an cor- issue.
1: <laughs> yeah. The, the box score stats don't really do it for me, but the efficiency stats do the EPA, the yards per attempt, the average step, the target, what you do at play action and all that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm with you. I like the bucket. I like how you fill up the bucket to, before you can move on to the next bucket. Uh, that's the only bucket I would change. Everything else I think makes sense. And it all ties in together, like you said. The biggest thing is, is I want to see what the offensive game plan looks like with Will Levis. Because he, it technically... Shouldn't change. Shouldn't change, but you should be able to add new wrinkles because of his athleticism. And this idea that Will Levis is a standard pocket passer, I mean, there's if the people are like, "Well, we could use Malik Willis like Taysom Hill. Well, first off... The guy that's more like Taysom Hills will love (laughs) us because not because of the skin color of his skin, but because of his build, his athleticism, and what he's able to do. But you should be able to get more designed rollouts, passes, get him on the move, get him comfortable. And I know this offensive line is, isn't, has not been great. But you need to get Kyle Phillips more involved. You need to get your tight ends more involved, and you're. It looks like you're going to be without Josh Wiley more than likely. So yeah. that's a big. I feel like that's a big blow for this offense as far as just being able to help. Um, Will Levis, but you're going to get Traylon Burks back, which is a plus. You got Kyle Phillips healthy for another game. You got DeAndre Hopkins. You got Derrick Henry. Tajay Spears. You have your two Hall of Famers. Line, <laughs> yeah, now your offensive line has had a couple of weeks to gel, right? Because the NPF got put in without real reps, real practice reps. He was probably either splitting reps or he was on the second team left left tackle, whatever. Now he's back in and he's gotten reps for two weeks. It's not going to be perfect and he's not going to be freaking outstanding and probably pitch a shutout, but it should be a better offensive line than what Ryan Tannehill technically had for the Hopefully. first five you know five and a half weeks. It should. So, Traylon Burks. You know, Burks should yeah, be back. Burks is back. Like, all this stuff is coming back. So, how do you help your quarterback? And to me, this is Tim Kelly's big job is to design a game plan that keeps the defense honest and can is beneficial to improving your quarterback and seeing what you got out of him against a pass defense. That's not bad as far as yards allowed or anything, but it's not a vaunted pass rush. They don't have a, a one or even two. They don't, I mean, they have just a bunch of average pass rushers, right? But the are linebackers are, yeah, they're, 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 yeah. I mean, essentially it's what they are. It's Bud Dupree. Um, oh crap. I, um, I always get him and Leonard Floyd mixed up for whatever reason, but it's an, it's another guy over on the other side. um, I'm but to either right. now now all I'm thinking yeah. about is
0: Leonard Floyd. <laughs> uh,
1: that's what happens. That's what happens. And but <laughs> the the outside linebackers that they have do have gotten no. I don't think any of them has three yeah. sacks yet. So like you're not having a vaunted pass rush, which all you got to worry about is avoiding AJ ter- ter- uh, Terrell is the Terrell. Either way, you just got to avoid him. Whatever yeah, Will yeah. Levis should do is not throw in that guy's direction. <laughs> throw <laughs> <laughs> anywhere else.
0: Pretty boy said this. Uh, if Le- if Levis looks decent, someone needs to ask for why he artificially had him buried oh on the depth God, chart. We didn't have we already covered this question like yes, three we, or four times. We have covered this having being the best guy to come in in a pinch for an injured Tannehill is not the same thing as who deserves to be taking
1: yeah, full time reps go. with the
0: one. So okay, these Kentucky if,
1: fans, man, they will. they will not let this go.
0: Levis was not buried artificially in the depth chart. Malik Willis was always the best in a I've got to come in in a a drive situation to bring to give Tannehill a rest or whatever. Levis was always the answer if Tannehill had to go out and they wanted they needed to actually figure out what he is. And and again, I I think here's the other thing most important. Here's another really important because I think you're right to say the rest of it should be better around him. The offensive line should be improved. MPF at left tackle, Traylon Burke should be back. You've got two Hall of Famers. And DeAndre Hopkins and Derrick Henry, you can lean on them. Tajay Spears, get him more involved. Like, There's a million things we can do. We've talked about Chig needing to be be more involved as well. I also think here's what's almost more important in evaluating Will Levis than, than just what you see on Sunday against the Falcons. What does he fix the next week? That is almost as important as what you see. You could see bad stuff. You're probably going to see some bad plays by a rookie quarterback. That's the nature of the game. The question is, does he continue to make those same mistakes as the, the weeks go along if he is the starter for more than one week? Does he take coaching and learn the mistakes? That is almost more important than what you actually see on Sunday. So uh, we, we have to be, I, I think lowering expectations is fair, but I also think having an expectation of, do you give your team a chance to be in the game in the fourth quarter? And I think he can. And with the rest of the team and, and the opponent, you got the jerseys, you got the whole thing. Like it's going to be emotional. No Kevin Bayard. I do you give your team a chance to win in the fourth quarter?
1: I'll also say this is Lorenzo Carter. That's the Georgia outside oh, yeah, linebacker yeah. I confused with Leonard Floyd. Uh, but, um, we got like who starts next week if Levis is terrible, Willis comes in and looks better. Well, Willis is likely not coming in to do any kind of like major passing plays. I mean, he's I, coming in for specific I packages. I, I, don't so, I, mean, I, I, I don't even want to see that. I don't. And to be that. honest, we've seen Willis be terrible, so like they're going to continue rolling with Will Levis over Malik Willis because Will Levis is is either the future or he's not. You already know Malik Willis is not the future. Tim Kelly doesn't have the
0: let's fumble the football package in the playbook the way Todd Downing did like, Oh, let's fumble the football. Let's bring in Malik and run a jet sweep. Like uh, that's not in the playbook this year. So I I don't know. I I think, I I think there's, there's a lot to be excited about, man. Honestly, it doesn't mean you're going to see it this week, but I think there's a lot of intrigue and interest and excitement. I think fans does like, I, because I believe that this, this whole week, could be a, a moment that we look back if five years from now this team is winning the division routinely we are going to look back on this week and we're going to say the week they traded Kevin Byard and switched to Will Levis was a franchise defining moment in the in the team's history it, it maybe I'm overblowing it maybe that's not what happens but it could be and so I think
1: this. But even I think if, he, if he's terrible excited. let me say something even if he's terrible it's still franchise defining moment right like I mean yeah you know what I'm saying? For for ran. Yeah, for, for Rand, because you know, maybe there's something different that you get. It'll be it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out because you know John Robinson draft picks are not really living up to the height, and Will Levis is coming into a similar situation to what you have in Kentucky, so he's kind of used to it, right? Yeah, like yes. you know, yeah, sure the offensive line. The weapons are obviously better and and, and all that kind of stuff. Because, I mean, he didn't have a DeAndre Hopkins. Y'all can talk about Wondell Robinson all you want. He ain't no DeAndre Hopkins. No. And he doesn't have a Derrick Henry or Tajay Spears. He, and, you know, you don't know what Chig and Traylon Burks are going to do week to week. But maybe, maybe Will Levis does something different that helps get those guys the ball for whatever reason where they weren't, they were struggling with either contested catches. Maybe he gets the ball out earlier. Maybe he's able to let plays develop better. I don't know, but I'll tell you this, at least for the first quarter, I'm going to be pretty ecstatic just to be, I'm just excited to see what happens, right? Like something something new, man. And it could be a terrible first quarter. And then I'm like, well, I'm going to turn on red zone or something. (laughs) (laughs) So at least it's something different.
0: Trey, Trey says, Braden's jinxing the hell out of the whole thing. Now watch this. I'll go the other direction here real fast, because here's what I think is going to happen. I think it is he is going to look so vastly superior to Malik Willis in his ability to be an NFL quarterback that it is just obvious right away. Again, I still think there's going to be an early mistake with a snap. I don't know why I'm calling that, but I think there is a snap problem. Fumbled snap, dropped shotgun snap. It, there's going to be a snap problem. Because he's hurrying the thing up in his head. And I think that's going to happen. We saw it in practice. I think it's going to happen. He's going to calm down after that. And he is going to look like an NFL quarterback. And I don't think he's going to look particularly great. I think that's what's going to... But he's going to look clearly better than Malik Willis. So that we can be done with that I mean, I think we're done with that conversation. I thought we were done with that conversation in camp. I thought we were done with that conversation when they drafted him. But people still want to have it. I think it will be obvious that you are working with a different caliber of player. I don't think it's going to be a, a guy that you think you know anything about right away. Like I've, I've watched Jordan love yeah, for at seven least not games. this
1: game or anything.
0: I've watched Jordan love for seven games. I have no clue. I, if he's going to be any good or not, I, I don't, I don't. Hey,
1: and listen, you know, I know this is not the ideal situation to look at it as, but I talked about in football and other F-words. Jordan Love, I would say, is in the 60%, right? We talk about the 20% elite. 60% is just of the quarterbacks across the league, is good. You can win with them. And then you got 20%, you just can't do anything with. If Will Levis is in the 60%, that opens up the door. Yes. For yep. the Tennessee Titans to build around Will Levis and maybe get him to the upper echelon of the 60%. Not, he'll never be the 20% more than likely, but if you can get him up to that upper echelon because of his surroundings, while he's on a rookie contract, that's a good deal. You know, Green Bay gave Jordan Love an extension and did all this other stuff. So it's kind of a different situation. But if he turns out on his rookie deal to be what Jordan Love is now, that's a, it that's may good. not be an exciting thing. It may <laughs> not be, but it's at least a good floor to aim for because if that's his floor is Jordan Love, he's allowed to get better. Well, and Trey
0: says the jury is still out on Purdy. And I and I would argue, if you look at the analytics, the, the jury is very much in on Purdy being in the 60%. The mm-hmm. question is, is he good enough to be more than that? And at that particular organization, you may not need to be more than that. And I think Vrabel wants to, the idea was that Vrabel and Carthon were going to build something like that, where you just need a guy that's in the upper half of that middle 60 to be just good enough to give your team a chance to win. And that's, that doesn't mean he's an elite player. I don't think Jordan Love or Brock Purdy are elite players, but Brock Purdy's efficiency numbers are—they're pretty damn good. Like when you look at his his uh, underlying metrics. When and Brock stuff. Purdy
1: came in to training camp or to OTAs or whatever, defenders and other pl- veteran players knew they that Brock Purdy was a dude. It's not just the Shanahan system. It's that this quarterback came in and he was prepared and he was able to do things. Now, maybe the, it is a quarterback-friendly system. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that he's carrying Kyle Shanahan or anything. But, like, they all said he was a dude. If 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 we can see that Will Levis is a dude, that's all that matters. And for the reason I was laughing during your your previous uh, talking dialogue was uh, Paul Karski tweeted out, Looked up for one play of punt return work and saw Kyle Phillips drop a punt. Oh, God. Still trying to make fetch happen over there in uh, St. Thomas. Sports Still trying Park. to make fetch happen. I love that. Uh, I will say this about, and this is this is
0: my college brain that always kicks in with all this stuff. Sinkers Beverages, by the way, Kingston Group, we love you guys. Go check out Sinkers Beverages. Uh, go check out the Kingston Group. If you, have any, if you have any liquor needs or house building needs? Those are your two people right there. Uh, Sinkers Beverages and Kingston Group. I will say that there are I can draw plenty of parallels between Brock Purdy and Will Levis, the college players. They did not play at premier top-level institutions, but made their programs much better while they were there. They started for an extended period of time. They played in pro-style offenses and got pro-style quarterback development at both of those locations. And they both are kind of better athletes than you think. And so I I think there are some parallels to their two careers. The difference being, and they were both four-star recruits coming out of high school, and had Levis gone to Kentucky instead of Penn State first, his career path would have been almost identical to that of Brock Purdy. It would have been four-star player, goes to sort of middle of the pack franchise, starts for a long time, gets pro-style coaching, better athlete than you think, a little disrespected in the draft process. You know, like varying degrees of difference there, but like there are a lot of actual similarities between the two. Uh, one of them just looks like a transformer, and the other one looks like just a guy. <laughs> That's the only yeah. That's the only physical difference between the two. So, uh, okay. <sighs> Do you have any prediction? I, I've given you my prediction that it will that it will be. I think the prediction is we are going to need we we are going to all want to see so much more of Will Levis. That's what I that's what my prediction is basically.
1: Well, that, I, I like that because I think that's where I am too. Is that we are going to want to see, and I put the emphasis on want and not maybe saying need to see. Right. Because he's shown enough that you're like, OK, let's see the next game. I'm ready for the next game instead of, you know, saying that, oh, I I don't I don't need to see anymore. <laughs> he's what he was in college. You know, they, he was my yeah. my bias from the draft is confirmed.
0: Yeah, that's what you don't. Yeah, that's what you don't want. Yeah. Um, all right. Speaking of Kentucky, I guess Tennessee is going to play Kentucky. They're, they are going to play the Falcons, which I think is going to be interesting in the uniforms, which should be a ton of fun. So, uh, look, Falcons, really great running defense. Titans pretty good running defense. Which quarterback can Never run? Off Derrick
1: the- Henry may not be there.
0: The Titans may have the Listen. better quarter. The Titans may have the better quarterback between the two. Yeah, I'm just saying. Desmond Ritter. I mean, look at it, 11 turnovers in the last four games for and the. He's Falcons. had a real
1: fumbling problem
0: at the goal line while scoring game-winning touchdowns. Mm-hmm. He fumbles the football. So I, yep. th- 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 there's a lot of op- There's a lot of reason why Will Levis could actually go win a football game this weekend. So,
1: yeah.
0: um, it, which is which is wild. Uh, You've got South Carolina and Texas A&M, and the coach who loses gets fired. Bowl, um, Mississippi State, Auburn, first one to six wins the game uh, in the SEC. The point spread six and a half. Not, not sure either team gets there. And uh, that one, uh, Tennessee. Obviously, you got Florida, Georgia, which we can get to in a second. But I don't. Let, let me. Let me. Tell me which team I'm talking about, Zach. Okay. The the quarterback has been inefficient, and inaccurate particular down the field the running game has been really solid the offensive line has improved the receiving core has been inconsistent the defensive line is the strength of the of the defense and the secondary is not doing a particularly good job which team am I talking about
1: it sounds like both these teams but you know I think I think one is clearly better than the other and I think one needs this win and they need a win big. Like that, that's where I'm at. Like, I think the Vols Vol, volunteers have to come in and they need to win big versus Kentucky. It doesn't have to be like by 30 points, but like they need to win by at least three scores. However you get wow. to those scores is up to you. But they're they a three, need, They're a three-point favorite on the road. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's ridiculous. And, and listen, if that's the case and this team barely wins by three... I think can still got some big issues uh, with this team. And we know the issue starts with, you know, Joe Milton. But, I mean, like, your defense is good enough that you should be hell for Devin Leary. Like, Devin Leary's just not good. Yes, you should. The, but the point,
0: the point I'm making there is that, that that dossier is identical for both. They are mirror images of each other. Kentucky's mm-hmm. coming off an extra week of rest and is at home. That's their advantage. I think, to your point, Tennessee is the better football team. Um, and has owned this game traditionally in the history of the rivalry. Like they just, even Mark Stoops couldn't beat Jeremy Pruitt a couple of times. So like this, this is, this is Tennessee's game to lose. But if you're asking me what the hell is going to happen in Lexington on Saturday night, I have no, no idea. I, I, I see see two teams that are virtually identical. I think Tennessee's a little bit better at quarterback and maybe a little bit deeper overall, but but Kentucky's at home and coming off an extra week of preparation. Like I, I honestly don't know what to think of this one. Um, I'll give you a quick Georgia Florida breakdown if you want it here, which is, I think Florida is going to play much better than people think. I think they are going to cover the spread. They're going to be, they're going to look like they are in the game for the entire game, and it's never going to feel like they ever have a chance to actually win it. So, what's like, the spread? It's, it's fourteen point spread. I think it's like okay. thirty three to twenty you know georgia wins they it seems like it's kind of like georgia then florida how, then georgia, how far then florida, away then georgia will they lead
1: i feel i feel like florida will lead like the first part of the game because that's kind of what i feel like georgia kind of lets people stay in the game at the beginning yeah. so that's why i'm just saying i kind of feel like i feel like florida is going to be up and everybody's going to be in the in your chats in your group messages go what what's wrong with georgia is georgia like this so i guess brock bowers is mvp and blah 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 and then they're just gonna go and just win like
0: you said it'll look good it'll florida will play quote-unquote well and i think they're gonna have a really good game plan with graham mertz to be very methodical and efficient and take care of the football get ricky Pearsall and etm the football in space they are like georgia's defense you can find some ways to attack it i think florida will do that slow the game down make it look kind of you know, t- like 20 play drive kind of slow, you know, you want to really milk the clock and it looks like they're kind of in the game for the entire time, but like never at the, never at any point during those three and a half hours, do you ever think that George is going to lose?
1: You're yeah, just I like, oh, ask Florida, you one
0: question. Florida's playing well. Okay.
1: Yeah, go ahead. And I want to go back and it's volunteers versus Kentucky. Okay. If the volunteers lose, is it time to see what you got in Nico? Or do you just ride Joe Milton the rest of the way?
0: I think it depends on how they lose. Um, Okay. If it's because the defense gets run all over like last week in the second half and leaves guys wide open in the secondary, then you stick with Joe Milton. Um, If it's the fact that the offense is completely devoid of any sort of big play and efficiency and and that that's the problem, which I don't think is going to happen. But if that's the case, then maybe you consider it. Honestly, I don't think you make a move to Nico until after Georgia. Okay. Like you got, you got, you got Kentucky. Missouri and Georgia, those three, three really big games. You have three more games, Joe, to figure out. And I think one and two, two and one. It's kind of wild.
1: Yeah, I was about to say, it's kind of wild that you could almost say that 0-3 is a a lot bigger possibility than what people realize. If they're
0: 0-3, he is out of the lineup. It's Nico's job. But you don't want to start Nico against Georgia. Yeah. So un- unless unless it's so bad against Kentucky that you have to change make a change already. And I don't think you're there yet yeah. because Joe just played the best half of his entire life on the road against the best defense he's played all season, Alabama. So I don't think we're there yet. I don't think we're there yet. Um, he looked pretty good in the first half against Alabama. And the, the defense was a major problem in the second half, not just Joe Milton. So it, the yeah. defense was bad, too. Uh, but they are, but they are this close to like that Alabama game. I could spin as a positive for the program moving forward, but not if you lose to Kentucky and Missouri and Georgia. Yeah. You got to win some of these games, even if you don't beat Georgia. So there you go. Got there you go. Uh, all right. That just about does it. Uh, Sinkers beverages, Kingston group. We appreciate your support. All you guys in the comments have been awesome today. We appreciate you guys every Monday and Thursday at one o'clock right here on the 440 Sports YouTube page. It turns into a podcast after that, so go check that out. you got football and other F-words, of course, as well, stackingtheinbox.com. Uh, enjoy those uniforms. Enjoy the home game. I am headed to Wisconsin for the weekend. I'm going to go watch Ohio State and uh, the Badgers. I'm going to go watch Green Bay and Minnesota with the fam, and we'll be back uh, next Monday to break it all down. So, uh, thanks, thank you guys for hanging out. We do appreciate it. For Zach, I am Braden. Thanks for listening. We will talk to you next week.